from the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. Well, last week was a weird week. We got, I, I'll be honest with you, I blame my people. The Jewish holiday on Monday, fasting, it screwed up my whole schedule. It screwed everything up. I thought we'd be able to do one on Monday, and I forgot that it was Yom Kippur. Anyway, we got totally hosed, and so we didn't do one. So we're going to have to make up for it and do two in one week at some point very soon. Definitely in the next six to eight months, we should do that. Look, I was worried about you. I mean, fasting. Like, I get yeah. you don't you don't do pork, you don't do other things, but like you and I mean, I, I guess you go extremes, right? You're you're you binge and you purge. So it was That's just it. A, it was it. a purge. Yeah, I, I can fast with the best of them. <laughs> now, what I did on the B side of that was just unethical. I mean, the the amount of food that I ate was embarrassing and it was at someone else's house which makes it even worse <laughs> well the normally then you would follow it by and then i went into their bathroom and destroyed it or on the way home we had to stop at a fast food place so i could destroy that bathroom no? here's the good news uh -huh. they lived just down the street from me <laughs> okay. so i didn't have to worry about that but this is no joke so Breaking the fast is a big deal in the Jewish faith. Mm -hmm. You you fast for your sins. And then at the end of that 24 hours, when you have not eaten or drank anything, that's really the tough part is not drinking anything. No water, nothing. Oh, that is rough. Yeah, that's the rough one. The eating, truthfully, from dinner to dinner is not that big of a deal. You're skipping breakfast and lunch. And I mean, you're just, you're just snacking along the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you then typically get together with your family or a friend hosts a very nice break the fast meal, mm -hmm. which is usually just some of the standard great Jewish food like bagels, lox, cream cheese, kugel. If you've ever had kugel, have you ever had kugel? Isn't that that muscle that women try to tighten? Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Going off the rails early. Uh, so lots of great Jewish food, desserts, fruit, everything. I, blintzes, you've had blintzes. Oh, I like a good blintz. Oh, love a good blintz with sour cream, the best. I destroyed that food. I had two and a half bagels loaded with cream cheese and lox. I had multiple pieces of kugel. I had multiple blintzes. I mean, Ward, it was disgusting. And then, because I know the people. Uh-huh. I went into their pantry and just rummaged through their pantry. <laughs> what else do you got? They had chocolate that they were hiding. Like <laughs> I just, meanwhile, they have this huge spread out and I'm just some jackass in their pantry, just eating food from the pantry, not even like hiding it, just eating it from straight from the pantry. Uh, yeah. Look uh, to me after I'll try. I'll try on a given day not to eat for 12 hours, right? From the last thing I eat at night to the thing the next day until I have, like, my smoothie. Sometimes I can make it to 14. But I find 
get like even like before Thanksgiving and I'll try not to eat. So I'm super hungry for Thanksgiving meal. I feel like my stomach shrinks and then I'm disappointed at the amount I can actually eat at the meal. Yeah, that has happened to me for sure. As we have talked about, though, my uh, I, I think you and I were having this conversation or maybe I was having it with another person. Oh, I was having it with someone else. Like, for example, what's that big miracle drug now that everybody's talking about? Ozempic? Right, right. Okay. And it's supposed to work great. And I listened to this whole podcast about it, that it really curbs your appetite. Yes. And I'm I'm laughing when I listen to that because my eating has zero to do with my appetite. <laughs> the two things are totally independent of each other for no. me. I disagree. I, I no, bet it worked for, for me. You. No, no, I disagree for you, probably for anybody, because I took Chantix to quit smoking cigarettes. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm just a fiend. I just love doing it, the taste, the whole thing. But, and I've heard this about Ozempic too. There's a certain amount uh, for some people of nausea that comes into play. So it is, so it actually, it's not just about like, oh, I don't feel hungry in my tummy. It's like, mm, food sounds gross. Okay, well, that's a different thing. If you get nauseous and <clears throat> you think you're going to throw up or something, then for sure. But I go back to, like when people go, oh, I'm full, I can't eat another pen. I'm like, what does that mean? What, <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I mean, I guess I'm full. You've seen how much I eat. I should be full, but I'll go to Hartzell's and get a peanut butter sundae just to cap off the night because I feel like, that's what you do. Yeah, I think there is a, a synapse in your brain that is missing when the yes. signal is being sent up from the stomach to tell your brain that there's no connection there. That takes a right turn somewhere and just veers off. Um, well, look, I have to apologize if I'm a little jumpy, if I'm a little on edge during our podcast, because uh, about two days ago, I was working right here, right where you see me. And right before me, um, a rat scurried across the wall. Oh boy, how big? Um, you know, yeah, you big, about six inches. Yeah, like, but, but, but you know, but or, or as I say, or as I say, fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> You're not fooling anybody with your <laughs> metrics. Uh, so, so this thing was like a Spider-Man mouse, just because all my walls are carpeted, right? That's yeah, how I yeah. get that sweet, rich sound for my voice and those great songs that we play on the podcast. It's because of the carpeting on the walls. Sure. So this thing was just scurrying along them, and of course, I do the. Ah, ah, ah. I mean, whatever it was, it was not masculine. It was not courageous. It was not cool. It jumps onto the runner where my garage door, you know, if I used it, would come up and scurries out. I find a big stick in the yard and I'm just like poking into the dark corners of my garage. Um, what are so, the chances it's still there? High? I think I think pretty slim, though when I came in last night, I did hear something. But I feel like the, it probably got back out the way it came in, though sort of yesterday evening I went to Home Depot, I got this expanding foam stuff because yeah. what I think happened is I have this AC heat split unit in here now. And of course the contractor never came back to finish the installation, meaning hiding all the unsightly tubes that run from my garage down to the bottom of the house and the holes on, on, uh, on the outside. And Eight so I'm holes. pretty sure those bastards just climbing up those tubes right into the hole and getting in behind the split unit. So I, I put this, I leaned out my son's window 
uh, about 15 feet up in the air, but I felt like I had plenty of leverage inside the window. And so now I put all this expanding foam in there. So I could have trapped it inside. Um, I have what's the equivalent of super glue stuck all over my hands is what that expanding foam is. So I either trapped it in or I, I'm keeping it out. But if you hear me squeal or jump, you'll know why. You I'm, mean uh, more than normal. Correct. Yes. Mm. I'm, I'm not alone in here anymore. We are, as always, powered by communitycards.com. And fade out. Uh, what can you say about community cars that hasn't been said before? What would you like to say about them? Well, I'll say, having visited their location in Mooresville, it what shocked me was that they had um, drive through Chick-fil-A for free for anybody coming to look at cars. Like they should advertise that free Chick-fil-A on premises. Um, I've never the said that. Problem, You've never said the problem with that one is it's too close to it could be a reality. Oh, you're saying I'm lying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am. And it's too close to like when before when you were like, call now and you buy one car, get another one for free. <laughs> I think everybody knew. But like giving away four dollar chicken sandwiches, I think I'm like, that could be a promotion. <clears throat> I would love it. By the way, somebody weighed in. We had this conversation last time. Chick-fil-A still for sale at Wilkinson Hall. It is great. It great. Is. Great. It is. So World... anyway, don't be a jackass. Yeah. Get your car from Community Cars. Great service. Great people. Any way you want to do it, they'll take care of you. Let's talk about Wilkinson Hall for a second. Record, record attendance. And I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of the game. I By did the way, not. do they call it game or match in volleyball? Do I you think know? it's a match. Okay. So I watched it. I've been very excited about this team. Sure. I love Coach Aird. I love what he's doing there. By the way, I was told by Coach Aaron, the Big Ten is so good, so good, that especially when they bring in the four teams from the West Coast, all of whom have won national championships, mm -hmm. that we could finish 12th in the Big Ten and be 21st in the country. <laughs> and that is evidenced by two of our first Big Ten matches have been against the number one team in the country, Wisconsin, and the number two team in the country, Nebraska, which was this weekend. And Ward, first set, we beat them. It's incredible. The place is going crazy. Second set, we're losing by like four, three or four, kind of staying in it. We tie it up at 17. We take the lead. It goes to like it's 22 all. We score, I think, to make it 23-22. And then we score again. And it's 24-22. Game point for us. Set point. Set point for us. Wait, you have to win by three to win a set? No, no, no. You have to win by two. Oh. You have to win by two. Oh, I thought we were up 24-22 the way you were recounting it. Yes, we were up 24-22, so it's set point. You played at 25. Oh, I thought it was to 21 and you had to win by two. No, 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 no. Damn you it. played at okay. 25. <laughs> Do you want to leave that in? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> so so it's 24 to 22 or 24 to 23. It's the biggest point of the game. It sets up set point. Yeah. And they review it. We're like, what are you reviewing? Oh, because they do a lot of review. Does the ball touch the fingertips of the, you know, blocker? Yeah, sure. They showed it from every angle. There was no proof 
there, there was nothing that you could see. It's going so fast. The finger did not bend back. That's what they're looking for. Nothing moved. They gave the point to Nebraska. Mm. And then the next play, they did it again. They give us the point on the court, and then they give it to them. And it gave the set to Nebraska. Fix. And so now, instead of us being up 2-0, it's 1-1, and Nebraska mm. wins the next two. They're great. I mean, they're great. But to steal a line from Coach Prime, this volleyball program is coming. I mean, they look good. They look and the energy in that building was incredible. So kudos to Coach Aaron. Kudos to this team. And this team plays an exciting brand of volleyball. They like they do crazy jump serves. Like most other teams that I've watched now, even Nebraska and the really good teams out west, they serve hard but not crazy. We've got some women on our team, Ward, that serve crazy. Like they throw the ball 30 feet in the air. And oh. they run at it. And hit it as hard as they can. It's crazy. Is there a, a strategy, a mentality behind that? Yeah, we like lead the conference in aces because of that. But what about unforced errors? Yes. Yeah. But I talked to Coach Aaron about it. And he's like, that's fine. He's like, if it's a two to one ratio, I'm okay with it. Because we're gonna we're gonna win points that we would never win because okay. of those aces. So my point is they're really fun to watch. It's a good group of young women. And uh, so that was exciting over the weekend. But I've got an update for you on something that is the most exciting piece of news I have heard coming out of Bloomington in quite some time. Okay. They have a matzo ball soup hotline. I knew it was going to be about food. <laughs> You're so <Lord>. predictable. <laughs> they have a matzo ball soup hotline. You call the number if you're a student at Indiana, and they bring you, if you're feeling sick, they bring you matzo ball soup. I mean, is that line open for Gentiles? Is it for all people? I think it's open for Gentiles. Yeah, for all. Is it, is it free? Is it like emergency services? I got to get into the details. I want to call it and see. what. what where are you? I'm in Valley Village, California. <laughs> but a matzo ball soup. I mean, look, we know pizza. Got it. We know wings. Got it. We know cookies. Got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Add matzo ball soup to what can be delivered. And I get it that Postmates delivers everything, but a dedicated matzo ball soup hotline is sensational. I'm happy for you and your people. Do you not like matzo ball soup? It's fine. Fine? I mean, it's a big ball of dough and some broth. Yeah, what you just said makes me want to go in the other room. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah what, are gonna, what are you going to do in the other room? I don't know. I'll figure it out when I get there. You 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 act like a big ball of dough is bad. What's a breadstick that you freak out for? It's a big stick of dough. Well, breadsticks, I'll take breadsticks over matzo ball soup most of the time. Look, I'm not going to – I mean, I kind of like to take the wind out of your sails. Matzo ball soup, it's fine. I, I don't – I don't need a hot anti-Semitic. I don't, well, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Just because <laughs> of how well I know you. <laughs> All right. Let's get to something exciting. Yeah? Minutes before we started this podcast – Moments tonight, moments. Yeah, I did the raffle mm -hmm. for the KU courtside tickets. We had 180 entries, we raised $18,000 for cool. this. Every penny going to IU basketball NIL. That's amazing. I pulled the number, his name uh, is Jeffrey Haynes, but I have not called him yet because of this. And I thought, what if we tried to do it live? Let's do it. All right, here we go. I'm going to call 
live to tape. That's a technical term. It's where you're not hearing this live, but we're taping it live. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice message. Wah, wah. Eight, one, two, oh. two. <laughs> well, we know he's got a Bloomington area code. You Do might have to bleep it. Helen, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up. Or Tell him to call us back. Hi, this is Eric Pankowski from Hoosier Hysterics. I'm just calling to make sure I have all the right contact information for everybody that entered the raffle. So if you could call me back. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, now, it rang once. Oh, it's a Terre Haute number. That's what oh. comes up on my thing. Terre Haute. He's probably in the red light district. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see if we get a call back. Who knows? If not, we'll cut this whole thing out, and I'll do it later. Uh Ward, we're going to save most of what we have to talk about, updating on football, talking about this weekend's football game, talking about the news that broke today, which is Sunday, and then, of course, getting into all of the basketball buzz that's going on. So I feel like we should save most of that for our very special guest today because he'll weigh in and give us some really good insight and talk us off the ledge a little bit. Yeah, it's it's red meat. This is a red meat episode, and we're talking with the guy who uh, knows more than anybody else, frankly. So um, you and I could just BS about it, or we could save it for the guy who has some knowledge. Before we get to him, the floor is yours. Weekly Colts update. Well, um, it was a, a tale of two halves and overtime. Again, overtime again. But it looked like we were just going to get waxed. It was just an atrocious first half on both sides of the ball. Oh, here's the rookie quarterback. Here's the rookie head coach. Oh, here comes Matt Stafford, who, you know, he was one of those guys we could have gone after instead of our carousel of old QBs that didn't work out. They got him, won a Super Bowl, and here he is lighting us up. But I'll tell you what, this team's got some grit. It's it likes to chop wood. Um, these are all old coach cliches. Pagano, uh, Frank Reich. These are the previous coaches. But Steichen has got these guys fired up, and they came out like uh, like bats out of hell in the second half. And really, you know, here I was. I actually had to go pick up my daughter from a sleepover at halftime. So I was like, I'll get back and just kind of you know, watch us lose while I'm getting some work done on the laptop. But boy, by that fourth quarter, I'm screaming because this kid, Anthony Richardson, has got it. He's got moxie. He just, he has no quit in him. He's got an incredible skill set. And now this is maybe the most exciting part. He runs in another touchdown. I think he's like the first rookie QB to have four running touchdowns in his first, you know, three games or whatever it is. But now it's his patented spike. Have you seen it? Have you seen no. what he does? No. He jumps four and a half feet in the air. No, he does, doesn't. Does pretty close. It's pretty okay. close. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty close. Okay. All right. Does th a 360 degree turn in the air and spikes the ball. It is fantastic. It is the best touchdown celebration in the NFL. He does it for every touchdown? Well, uh, the last two he's done it for. So it seems like when he runs it in, this is going to be his thing for Just now. Just don't turn an ankle. Just don't turn an yeah, ankle please. on the way down. So look, he got, we were down 23 to zero. Yeah. In the third quarter, came back, got it into overtime. 
Those I watched, bastards, I watched yeah. it. Yeah. So, but what are you going to do? They win the toss. This kid Puka, uh, who's on my fantasy team. So if you're, if you're going to lose to a rookie wide receiver in that way, at least have him be on my fantasy team. So it's too bad. Tony Rich, as I like to call him, didn't get a chance to go down and win the game. No, but, no, but I wanted to say this to you. Yeah. It's the perfect result. Like yeah. you don't want to win these games. What you want is to have fun watching games. You want to be in games. You want to see the future in Tony Rich, as you call him. You want to mm -hmm. see that there's real potential. But you do not want to be seven and ten this year. Like you you don't want to be middle of the pack. You want to win about four games we, and get the best draft pick possible because this isn't the year for you. We have the easiest schedule left in the NFL and we are not as bad as we thought we were going to be and okay we're not we're not going to get one of the first three four probably five draft picks there's just too many bad teams and we're not one of them and so inevitably if we're not trying to get Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State with the second or third pick um I'm not going to root for us to lose. I'm just not. I'd rather be like, okay, this is the coach. This is the quarterback. We got to get a couple more pieces around him. The secondary needs to develop and probably needs a, a couple more draft picks there too. But it's almost like we've been so bad now for several seasons. It's just like, okay, I'm fine if we're competitive in, in, in every game and end up with like the 10th or 12th draft pick instead of the 7th. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that the better draft pick you get, if you don't get one, two, you could use to trade, and it's more attractive the higher it is if you wanted to trade up, which seems like trading up has happened more in recent years from just, I mean, it's, I, I, I have no idea what the stats are, but it seems like that's happening a lot. Ballard is way more of a trade down guy. He's like, I'll give you my first for two seconds or my second for a third and a fourth. He he plays the numbers game, which, which I... I think it's largely worked for him. Maybe not in the realm of wide receivers. That's that's a bit of a concern. But look, I think four games in, everybody who's fanatical about it, like myself, is like, even losing, it's so much fun to watch this kid play, this team play. And Steichen is just really aggressive in his play calling. And just Frank Reich was such a wet blanket that to have a guy who's fired up and to see the team take on that fire it's just like okay great like this we we're good here hopefully for seasons to come i i'm just everything you just said i feel like was exactly what we said three years ago with indiana football oh yeah. having a guy yeah who gets them fired up yeah who we've got our quarterback yeah it's just like everything you just said you could cut and paste a couple years back, and it's what we thought we had, and I think leads nicely into the conversation we will have. And it's really this conversation we're going to have is going to be split football and basketball. So a lot of red meat for all IU fans. Uh, what do you say we just get to it? Yes, please. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he's back. He's the man with more knowledge than certainly me and Eric combined and really more than anybody else who follows IU sports. He's also quite possibly our favorite human being on planet Earth. Eric, who is this mystery man? He hails from the DMV. 
I love saying that. I love when people are from the DMV. It just makes me sound so good. He hails from the DMV. He's a giant fan of rap music. He can spit bars of Biggie and some of the best of all time. He is the rabbi of recruiting. He is DJ Jazzy Jeff Rab John. Yeah, buddy. He is, of course, the publisher of Pigs.com. He is, of course, a sports journalist of the highest order. He has been doing this for a long time, and there is no one better to talk to about Indiana sports, especially basketball and football right now, and everything that's going on, than you. So we had to get you on, Rabbi. How the hell are you? Fantastic, gentlemen. Fantastic. Thank you for that unbelievably kind introduction. I, I, sh I should write that down. I'll, I'll expand. Uh, I'll expand my bio. But uh, yeah. no, doing great. How are you guys doing? We are good. We we just got done with our intro where we ended talking about IU football, and it was funny because Ward was doing his weekly Colts update. Yeah, where he was going off on how exciting it is to have like an emotional leader of a coach who gets the team really fired up and a good quarterback and just how all excited about the future. And I said to Ward, I feel like you could just have everything you just said is what we were all saying in 2020 about Tom Allen and Mike Penix and the future of the Indiana football program. And you could draw a straight line straight down from that <laughs> moment when we were all saying that to where we are now, which I would argue is the low point of the seven-year Tom Allen tenure. Rabbi, I mean, what? let's start with Walt Bell, right? That's the news that came out today. So why don't you just, for those who have not heard the news, why don't you update everybody on where we're at and how they're handling that? Yeah, so we're obviously taping this on, on Sunday. It uh, The news broke today that Walt Bell has been fired as Indiana's offensive coordinator. Um, after he was the, uh, the 44, 17 loss at Maryland was his 17th game as the OC. So that means 17 games of body of work as a play caller. Um, and Indiana's offense was not good during that stretch. You know, last year they ranked among the worst offenses in the, in, in the country, um, uh, in many categories. And this year they were certainly among the worst in, in a number of categories. And the biggest thing was they couldn't score touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> is they, that important? I've heard uh, last time I heard now correct me if I'm wrong. Last time I heard the team at the most points wins the game. <laughs> so when, when you fail or consistently struggle to score, you, you have a lot of problems. You know, I think it was eight of the 12 quarters this year against FBS level programs. Uh, they didn't score at all, not even a field goal, but that that's a big problem. And they, then they were only, you know, you look at what they were under Kalen DeBoer over 30 mm -hmm. points a game. I think it was 31.8 in 2019, and they're right around 21.8 now. So that's 10 points per game less. Um, and that 21.8 isn't real either, because that no, includes Indiana State or whoever yeah. the hell, you know, it's and BS. It's like the, the 40-plus per game against Indiana State. So it, it, it was fair. I mean, it was absolutely fair. You know, you, you have to, in this business, especially as a coordinator, you have to produce. If you don't, you got to go. And, um, you know, Bell just never produced. And I think part of the undoing, too, was he just kept saying he wanted to he wanted to be a run dominant offense with an option component. OK, well, you went out and did all this work, you meaning I use the program to get Taven Jackson, who because live fairly close 
to where the where Center Grove is. So I employ a lot as a sophomore, junior, and senior. The dude's not an option quarterback. What are you doing? And when he came out and said what he said, when I asked him a couple questions on Monday, I mean, there were a whole lot of people inside and outside IU who basically went, what? He's doing this on purpose? And he's going to announce it out loud? So, yeah, he, he had to go. He had to go. I mean, is there anything terribly shocking about this result if you just looked at what he'd done before he came to IU? I mean, like, I, I think everybody tried to put a positive spin on it when he showed up, but when you kind of looked at his track record, his previous stops, it was like, none of this is impressive. What? Why did he get the job in the first place? By the way, I'll say that it. Now that's a great question. Hey, thanks, <laughs> yeah. Eric. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me mark the time on this podcast. <laughs> um, five years, the first one. <laughs> I'm still not too sure exactly why he was picked. Uh, I know what they said. I know, you know what. You know, when when a head coach hires somebody as an assistant coach, you're going to say positive things because you hired them, um, and. Okay, great. But there wasn't anything definable. And here's the other thing. Um, I may get in trouble for this, but whatever. Cool. Um, Walt Bell was just incredibly smug and arrogant for his resume. Yeah. You would have a hard time finding a long list of people who are like, oh, yeah, I worked with him before. Great guy. Great guy. You know, all this stuff. Uh, um, He's just, he, he doesn't have the greatest reputation. Um, as far as like somebody who you enjoy or don't enjoy working with. And I understand it's, this is big time football jobs to win games. You know, you, you don't have to get out there and sing kumbaya together, but you also don't have to be a complete jerk. Well, and, no, you don't have to be. I, I would say if you're really good, go ahead. I mean, Nick Saban's <laughs> a prick, you know, like, but, but go ahead. Bobby Knight was not a nice guy, but go ahead. Be you if you're going to sure. win. But, but if you're going to, I mean, like Ward said, there's nothing in his track record that makes you go, got to get this guy. Like, okay, right. UMass didn't win games, but, man, that offense was great. Nobody was saying that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you go from, you know, even when Kevin Wilson was at IU, you know, he, he, he had some records that weren't great. But you never really questioned his intellect and ability to run an offense and to put points on the board. If he had a quarterback, a left side of the line, a running back and a couple receivers. You know, if you let him go out and, and shop for the groceries that he wanted to put on the field, you look at Kevin Wilson and went, okay, they're going to score points. The question is, you know, can he go get a defensive coordinator and stop somebody? Um, but he, he could score. I, I still think the ideal for IU football possibly might have been, just maybe, if you have Kevin Wilson as the head coach and you have Tom Allen, defensive coordinator. I think there's a chance. Had they left that alone, I think there's a chance that could have been a pretty solid combination. Well, I think it's worth exploring that a little bit more in general terms because I want to get into kind of the existential state of Indiana football. But I do, on, on the Walt Bell thing, and maybe this is going to lead us there, but I, I read a bunch of tweets today of people saying, you know, Walt Bell's been fired and we're going into a bye week, so it's the perfect time to do it. 
and I was going to respond. I decided not to. No, it wasn't. The perfect time to do it was before this season. The perfect time to do it was after you gave them a bunch of games last year and they didn't improve and there was nothing creative and it sucked. And it's, it's it, to quote the guy who was on the radio show, it's a business. And they knew that it wasn't working. And then they changed out everybody, changed out a whole bunch of players. And, and it took them four games. And let's be honest, they made up their minds probably the week before. So they let three games go to know that he sucked. I mean, come on, like the entire fan base was ready to fire the guy after last year. And, and the point I want to make is it's almost the same exact thing that happened with the offensive line coach, Hiller. Now I get that Hiller was there longer, but the entire fan base knew that this guy had to go. And Tom Allen stood by him. Now, there may be other reasons why he stood by Hiller longer. There was a real personal relationship there. We get all that. Walt yeah. Bell, there wasn't that deep personal relationship, so he got rid of him after one year and four games. But he's still trailing the fan base and pundits who follow and journalists who follow it to just go, why is it taking him so long? You don't have time, Tom. You have to... This program is dead right now. That's what it feels like. Why did it take him? Why didn't he make the move after last year, I guess, is my question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's actually a really good question, too. You guys are you guys are starting off on fire. I like that. <laughs> uh, I think a little bit of his loyalty. You know, Tom does have, you know, an awful lot of loyalty in him, um, which I think you can have loyalty as far as, like, if assistants are performing and they want to stay with you, you can have loyalty and taking care of them, giving them raises. You know, there are some guys, you know, over the years who've had longtime assistant coaches. Um, but I, I think so I think he has a little bit of a too much loyalty to him on, on occasion. And I think sometimes uh, I think sometimes he just believes, well, we'll get it figured out. We'll make the adjustments. It's like I think sometimes some head coaches just believe a little too much that whatever they think is going to work because they think it and they're just going to work harder. And okay. Instead of 16 hour days, 18 hour days, instead of 18 hour days, 20, you know, harder, harder, we'll figure it out. It's like, I think sometimes Alan gets into that, just gets falls into that trap of, you know, we will make it work. We will work harder. We will figure it out. We will make the adjustments. We'll study the film. We'll look at other teams during the off season, all this kind of stuff. And it doesn't always work. Um, some people just don't fit in certain systems and some ideas just don't fit. And Walt Bell, that offense, I mean, the number, how many more times does poor five foot seven Jalen Lucas have to be slammed between the tackles? I, I mean, know. where is he, where is he going to go? <laughs> and, and running, how about running the option to, to Jalen on the short side when, I mean, like it's just insane stuff. And especially on the short side inside of the opponent's five. It's like, <laughs> where are the safeties going to go? Up in the stands to get some popcorn? There's the back of the end zone there. They're right there. There's right. no depth of the field. Not You know, that's the thing with the, uh, you know, the option of the short side. You're trying to get one guy to go to the boundary and get one good block. And then because everybody's flowing straight across, if you get the speedster to beat two guys, then he's gone. That, that's kind of the, the I, I was not aware there would be math on this podcast. I was not. <laughs> That, that's that's the theory of what they're trying to do on, on that play in broad terms but it's it just but when you're when you're inside the opponent's five it's like there's nowhere to go there's no depth of field the, the you know the linebackers are basically right behind the defensive linemen right. 
the, the, the safeties are maybe two steps behind the linebackers. Where, and and, and where, where do you think Jalen's going to go between a mass of about counting blockers and everybody? You got eight, nine guys right there. So, you know, two seconds, second and a half. I don't know. Some, some of the things Bell did, just, they're nonsensical. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sure he's a good man. I'm sure he's a good husband. I'm sure all that's but. I, as as a as a play caller, there were so many things that you looked at and went, "What are you doing? What are you trying to do?" And slamming Jalen Lucas between the tackles over and over again, it's like it just doesn't make any sense, you know. It's By the like, way, you know, you know how you said you're sure he's a good man and all that. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's an are equal we? there's an equal chance he's an asshole. <laughs> it sounds well, like there's maybe more I'm, evidence. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be, you know. I, I like when people say that though, because you're like, oh, I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, most of the people I meet, I don't like. So <laughs> well, most well. of them are just dicks. <laughs> there are there are a lot of people out there like that. Yeah, yeah. Let, anyway, or what were you gonna say? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up some depressing numbers. <laughs> ranked 14th, four and zero. Ranked 19th, four and one. Ranked 20th, five and zero. Ranked 25th, five and zero. That's North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, and Louisville. Those are historically great basketball programs, blue bloods, if you will, who usually have shit for football teams. Maybe not as historically shit as Indiana has well, been. Oh, no, no one is. But when it is now becoming very clear as to where collegiate sports are going, these super conferences with these super profitable football programs, I feel like Indiana has got to do this, not just for the football program and the sanity of everybody still willing to call themselves an Indiana football fan, but for everybody who's a basketball fan and could care less about football, but wants basketball to remain relevant and against the best competition, Rabby, like, I mean, we're, we're not even halfway through the season and the season is over. We're being left behind in football by the blue bloods of basketball. How do we start to turn this ship around? Too soon? Is that too soon? No, no. I was. I think it's 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 clearly where the conversation needs to go. I, I thought you were going to go to why have those others been able to do it? I think that's um, that's part of the answer. Is like yeah. what are they doing that we're not? Yeah. Uh, several things. Number one, Indiana University has to have institutional support of football. And I don't mean with your words. I don't mean with, you know, a press release. I don't mean with another, you know, recycling of an assistant coach, maybe even you recycle a head coach. You know, I don't mean putting brand new paint and a couple new windows on a building that's, you know, falling down. I mean, actual institutional support. A lot of ways we can define this. Let's make it really simple. Let's make it really clear. You want to know what institutional support for football looks like, and you want to know how bad Indiana University at the level of the Board of Trustees and the Office of President, I'm not throwing Pamela Whitten under the bus individually, but the Office of President at Indiana has failed for decades to properly support football. Here's what. Here, here's the difference. Investment in football-only training facilities over the past 15 or so years, if you count planning stages. Purdue University, $80 million approximately, $80 million. Investment by Indiana University in football-only training facilities, all time, zero. 
okay. Wait, Zero. Wait I'm going to have to play. They don't, they I'm don't have, have to play devil's advocate a little bit here. They don't Eric, you've been on campus at Indiana, correct? Yeah. Can, can you can you take me? I'll go <laughs> That's get such a part. dick way I'll to start it. <laughs> can you take me to the football only training facility? I, I'll, 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 I'll even buy dinner. I'll even buy dinner. You'll, you'll have to you'll have to fly and get a rental car and you know talk to the boys' community cars and get transportation. But you know, hey, <laughs> I'll buy dinner. I'll buy dinner. By the way, we just got a Rabby community cars plug. You gotta like it, um, Rabby. Okay, so we let, let let's step back from that for a second because it starts from a place that you this has been an argument that you have been making for years. When Fred Glass was the AD, this was I know something that you talked about on the boards on Peaks, you wrote articles about it, you talked about it on podcasts. There is a philosophical or has been a philosophical difference of opinion in how important football only facilities are so indiana did invest quite a bit of money in redoing the memorial stadium uh workout uh facility right the weight room i think it's one of the largest in the conference believe it or not which actually puts it as one of the largest in the country but it's not football only you're right however it's at the football stadium it is dominantly used by football athletes I don't think anybody I, – I don't think the football players have ever had to, like, not use the squat rack because a field hockey person is using it. So I guess let's start, Rabbi, with why do you think that is so important? It demonstrates commitment to football. It's not about the building itself, although because they've been, been around for a while and have friends in a lot of places, I've been in Purdue's. Okay, not not not. I think their addition is. I think it's might even be done by now. But I've been in Purdue's. I've been in Illinois. I've been in Iowa's. I've been in Northwesterns. I've been in Minnesota's. Minnesota's is unbelievable. Minnesota's football and training facility blows the south end zone, north end zone of Memorial Stadium off the freaking planet. They're really? not close. Okay. They're not close. Fair. Not even remotely close as far as. Bells, whistles, cool things, all that stuff. Yeah, IU's got a big weight room. That's fantastic. That's good. Um, but it's not, it doesn't demonstrate a commitment to football. Um, the other thing you have to do is, <clears throat> you know, there has to be a budget. And that includes the pool of money for assistant coaches. You know, Ward asked earlier, why was Walt Bell hired? Well, one of the reasons was IU could afford it. He was mm -hmm. willing to take the job for the salary offered. You look at the coordinators around the, the big time programs, most of them are over a million dollars a year. And you don't necessarily well, have to pay an individual position that much, but the pool of money, and I think most people know this, but like you, as, as a football program, it's like, okay, here, here's what you're paying the head coach. Then there's other pool of money that the head coach goes, okay, that's what I get to go hire my staff. And Indiana has one of the lowest pools of money for staff uh, in in major college football, these teams that are on paper trying to win. Um, but the biggest thing is Indiana just has to have institutional support. They have to. And I think it includes facilities. It includes the budget. Uh, and it also includes just a mentality that it's important and you need to try to win. Like years ago, I put this on the board, but here's another example. Years ago, when Nebraska came into the, or when Nebraska was talking to IU, talking to the Big Ten, about joining the Big Ten behind the scenes, Kansas, very quietly, was begging to get into the Big Ten, begging. They were trying left and right. They had people from the Big Ten very quietly go down there to Lawrence. 
basically what it came down to from an athletic standpoint was the Big Ten looked at Kansas and said, okay, show us your budgets. We need to know your commitment to football and men's basketball and overall sports. And the Big Ten looked at their football budget and went, no chance. You guys, are. this is not a serious commitment to football. Thank you very much. No. So that's why Kansas did. That's the primary athletic reason Kansas was not allowed in the Big Ten. What's with all this stuff that's going on, mega conferences, mega TV deals, what's Kansas recently done? Announced something novel, like a $100 million commitment to football, renovate the stadium, new this, new that, putting together this whole like village type thing between what will be their football training complex and the stadium. And they're doing that to make sure or try to ensure that if there are one more stage or two stages of these, quote, super conferences, they've got it on paper. Here, look, here's our commitment to football. You can demonstrate it. By the way, Rabbi, real quick, just to uh, supplement your point here, Kansas football announced plans for a significant renovation of David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium in the surrounding area on Tuesday. The wide-ranging facility upgrades will cost more than $300 million and are expected to be completed by the 2025 football season. The unveiling of the plans comes less than one year after Coach Lance Leopold signed a contract extension through 2029. Uh, with provisions in the deal specifically targeting facilities. So the coach wouldn't even sign unless they put facilities improvements in there. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it just oh, helps supplement your point there. That oh, is very good. Yeah, 300 nuts. million the whole thing. Yeah, that's investment in football. It is. And the other thing is, you know, you start breaking down some math. Okay, how much revenue is generated by Memorial Stadium when it's a quarter full, half full? three quarters full, or what if it was full with regularity? It just makes sense on paper to invest in football. You make the money back. You make the money back. And that's one thing. It's like I've had a few conversations with some people at IU and some people who matter around IU. And I I get this, not everybody, okay, not everybody. Uh, And these are people outside the athletic department, just so we're clear. And I just get this ambivalence. They're like, well, you know, it's kind of the way it's always been. Why, number one, two, Fix it. If you've got a flat tire in your car and you've had a flat tire for three years and you've been driving around on your rims like an idiot and the whole world's going, hey, look at the idiot driving on the flat tire. You're probably going to fix the flat tire. You know, I just don't understand why there are some people who look at I, who, who matter at IU and matter around IU who look at IU football and go, eh, it's the way it's always been. That's not a, that's not a sufficient answer. It's really not. And people who okay. give that answer, you know, I, I think somebody higher up the chain ought to look at them and go, hey, you know, that, that's 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 the inaccurate approach. It needs to change. Well, I've had some conversations with people inside Indiana and the 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 answer that you get. And I'm curious your take on on how you practically fix this is that when you compare our budget, our athletic department budget to the likes of Michigan and Ohio State, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, Penn State, we pale in comparison. Mm-hmm. Even though our basketball budget is much higher because we spend money on basketball. I get it. But basketball is a much cheaper sport than football. Mm-hmm. So the the answer you get is our budget is so small compared to those. We don't have the money to do what you're talking about. And they will claim that they do not have the fan support at the highest levels. We're talking about booster support here, right, guys, that can write big checks that allow you to have a $300 million 
you know, investment, because the truth is it's not like you're going to do a bond deal with the city of Bloomington to pay for upgrades. That's not how this works at the college level in a, in a college town. What do you say to them when they say, we just don't have the money. Like we do not have it. We have it for basketball. We can get it for basketball. And, and look, Rabbi, I'll just throw this out there because we're on the front lines of NIL. And I can tell you the conversations I have, there is not the money for NIL support at the level that there is for basketball support, not anywhere close to it, not anywhere close to it. Like, and, and the truth is it shouldn't, that's an apples to oranges comparison because football should be way higher than basketball because of how much you need for NIL on a yearly basis. And Hoosiers for good has done some good things on the football side. And the truth is they've had some success, but I've had those conversations. And I think if they were being honest, they would tell you as well. There just isn't the support at Indiana. So if there aren't the big billionaires or hunt centimillionaires willing to write those massive checks, if the budget for the athletic department is small in comparison, where do you get the money, Rabbi, to do what you're talking about? Sure. Sure. Well, one, um, you can, Check out schools like Duke, like Carolina, like Kansas. Um, you know, Kansas isn't winning just yet, but they're probably going to be here shortly, or at least they're they're trying. And and okay, you can come up with three hundred million for 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 a football project at Kansas, but you can't come up with an extra couple million for for better assistant coaches at Indiana. I just don't buy it. And and we, we've we've heard this for a while. This this constant pleading of poverty. You know, this was their excuse before the Big Ten Network even existed. So you're poor, and then all of a sudden the Big Ten Network comes in, and now every school is getting somewhere around $50 million, and it's going to go upwards of $80 million here shortly, at least those are the projections. Where's the money going, okay? You know, I mean, you, you can't plead, you know, you can't go from making $25,000 a year to making $300,000 a year and, and, and tell your parents, I'm broke, can't pay the phone bill. No, you got money. Um, so that this constant pleading of poverty, I, I, I question exactly how poor are you, okay? And, and here, and, there, and there's also another thing. So the Indiana University can loan money to the athletic department if it wants to. And we know this because it did so in, around COVID to, to pay a lot of bills. If Indiana University wanted to demonstrate a proper commitment to football, it could as a university. You know, they have the money. They can loan it. And in, in the, the fact that the university makes the athletic department pay them back for certain things, to me, is a little on the questionable side because it's like, okay, are you trying to invest in your athletic department as, as a university or are you trying to use your athletic department as kind of like an ATM? Um, but you you can get – the university can loan the money. And even if you want to make it a true loan that on paper it's got to pay back, okay, loan them the money, start winning football, start filling up Memorial Stadium, you're going to make the money back. Kansas State did it. Um, Wisconsin did it when they brought in. Look at Wisconsin prior to Barry Alvarez. They stunk. They were bad. Stadium was more than half empty most of the time. They bring in Barry. They dump a whole bunch of money into football. What happened? They made more than they spent because football won and everybody got excited. And to take it to this macro level of institutional knowledge, you're talking about board of trustees. You mentioned them, and I imagine that is a, a lot of where this would end up at the doorstep of. We've heard, uh, even with her being on the pot, that Dr. Witten is really 
into sports and wants to support sports. I just picture a pitch where Scott Dolson and Dr. Witten go to the board of trustees and say, this is why football needs to succeed. And we've brought this up before, but I think it's worth revisiting. And it's not just for football to succeed. It's for basketball ultimately to succeed. And when both of those things are rolling, they're bringing in so much money for the university and prestige. And, and this is what I wanted to bring back up is what has happened at Alabama. What has happened to that as a university and the prestige of the university academically because of the prestige and the, the money that that football program has brought in since Nick Saban came along. Like to me, it's like, they they all need to get on the same page and be like this is an investment in the football program that that is truly the tide that rises all ships is there anything fundamentally wrong with me thinking that's what should happen really soon i i that's a really good point and i think something like that is is exactly the kind of pitch that a university president, athletic director, maybe some others should make to the board of trustees. Because when you win in football, um, it, 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 it helps the university. Uh, there was a story several years back um, about the Nick Saban impact in Alabama. And it talked about how um, uh, applications for admissions went up. So students, you know, there are more students, make more money off that. Uh, they could be more selective, more selective right, right. raises some certain ratings. Um, the fact that it was Saban with his profile even goes and meets with certain people in the academic world, in the whatever, and everybody thinks it's cool. Oh, Coach Saban's here. Coach Saban's here. So it's like there are components of that that, that have benefits. And there, there are other stories. But investing in sports, um, you know, it's, it is an investment in your university. It's an investment in the visibility of your university. It's an investment in the profile of your university. It's an investment in the number and types of students who are going to apply just because they've heard of you, who they know they know you're cool. And How much money you can pay good professors to come teach at your university? There you go. There you go. Professors become easier to get, more desirable. You have more money for them. And, you know, I, I, it's interesting. We're talking about the macro stuff. Because a few years ago, I had a conversation with somebody who, uh, at IU and outside of athletics, but above athletics, I think it would be above. Um, and the person, um, we had a very, we had a very healthy conversation <laughs> and the person kept saying, you know, Jeff, you just don't understand. We have to win in, in basketball here. That's what has to happen. And he just kept saying, we have to win in basketball. I said, where in any of this conversation do you say, stop winning in other sports? Right. And that's one of the things I never understood about some people's mentality. Like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't spend on football. You're taking it, you put it down. They, it's, like, it's almost like they think if you put a dollar into football, you're taking it away from basketball. That's not how any of this works. It's like if you had a dinner party and you got, there's eight people there and you go, oh, well, you know, I already put water in Joe's glass. So Jenny doesn't get any water. No, you can fill all the glasses. If you're an intelligent university with the proper approach toward athletics. Ward, you, you just read off the records of, of, of basketball powers and, and their, their records in football and their national rankings in football. You can fill all the glasses. 
Indiana University just has to become committed to doing it, and it takes the institution. You know, I know some people just like to yell all the time, especially on the board, about the coach, the athletic director, the coach, the athletic director. Yeah, you got to have the right coach. You got to have the athletic director, sure. But it's like they have budgets that have to be approved. They have bosses. You know, I think the university has to decide this is what we're going to do. I think that's fair. I, I would just add one thing, not to rekindle a trustee conversation, but the trustees oh, shouldn't need that pitch. The trustees shouldn't need that pitch. I mean, this is part of why I was running because it. where is the trustee who's using their position as trustee to come out and go, this is unacceptable. We're going to invest. Like that should be coming from the board. The board isn't this like, they aren't this disconnected body that should be needing pitches. You know, there are people that, that they're, they're no different than us. They come from, you know, different walks of life, but they care deeply about Indiana. And my God, Quinn Buckner is the chairman of the board of trustees. He played football. He played basketball, obviously, and then gave up football. And there have been many board members like Harry Gonzo and, things like that, that are former football players. So, like, I get it. You're right. They should make that pitch. I get it. But it should be on the board, too. The board should be held accountable for not being the ones to proactively push for that because they're the ones with the purse strings. Like, and they're the ones that can really influence the athletic director and the president to get on board and do this. It's ridiculous that they would have to be pitched it to do it. It pisses me off. It's part of why I ran because it seems like it's a lazy group of people that may be worried about some very academic things that we're not thinking about totally. I understand that, but football success is crucially important and more so than it was 12 months ago or 24 months ago. It's just getting more and more important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, really good points. And, and you're right. The board of trustees, they can be a proactive group who says, hey, by the way, here, here's and, and and that's kind of supposed to be their role, at least in a little bit, as far as what's what's the vision of the athletic. Uh, yeah, the, they're proactive when they want to change the Jordan River to Campus River, because God forbid it be called the Jordan River. I mean, they're proactive when it comes to that stuff. But the this stuff that is like really crucial uh, to the health of the university it just seems to be falling by the wayside. But that said, and I do, Rabbi, I think your point is interesting about we may not have the $100 million to spend, okay? But we do have the $5 million. And $5 million would allow you to blow your brains out to get the best coordinators. <laughs> like, that would. And maybe that's where you, that that does actually sound like a practical way for Indiana to be better on the field. Get better coordinators. That said, I do want to bring it back to some of those fans that you mentioned of which we are part of that just say, you need the right coach. You need the right athletic director. Let's be honest here. Tom Allen hired Nick Sheridan and it was a disaster. Tom Allen kept Hiller and it was a disaster. Tom Allen decided to be the one to call plays last year on defense. It was a disaster. Tom Allen hired Walt Bell. It was a disaster. Tom Allen decided that he wasn't going to call plays on defense this year and give it to this defensive coordinator. The defense sucks. And everybody that's talking about how good they were in the Ohio State game, give me a break. It was game one of the first year quarterback for Ohio State 
who got had some jitters. If we played them again, they'd beat us 49 to nothing. Like, I mean, the defense is not good. The defense is not good. They are bad. They gave up a ton of points. So the buck does stop with the head coach. And Ward and I have said this all along on this podcast in college athletics, especially in football and basketball, get the right coach and you win anywhere. And do we have the right coach? I mean, that is that is the $64,000 question, or I should say the $20.8 million question, if that's what I read to be his buyout after this year. So two-part question, do we have the right coach? And if we don't, are they going to do anything about it after this season? Yeah, that's, that's another really, really, really good question. And, um, nice. You know, good job, Eric. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Two, two to one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and by the way, let me also preface it by saying, I really like Tom Allen. Ward yeah. really likes Tom Allen. We like him genuinely. He is a good man who cares maybe too deeply about Indiana football. I mean, he just cares so much about the people that work for him. He cares so much about this program. I am convinced there is not another soul on this planet that coaches football that would care as much about this job as Tom Allen. So we love him and we want him to be successful, but he's been there seven years at some point. Is he the right guy? Rabbi? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's after, you know, back-to-back January bowl games, there was momentum, both real and, you know, emotional for the fan base. You had all kinds of positives um, with Allen, with the wins, with program visibility, going to big bowl games. Michael Penix, uh, you know, had he stayed and been healthy. Well, I mean, he's a Heisman Trophy candidate now. So that's what he would have been. But just think about that Cincinnati game, that Cincinnati home game, which was the peak of fan fervor. Total yeah. coincidence. We were there and it was a disaster. <laughs> Total coincidence. <laughs> but, um, yeah. McFad gets tossed and everything that happens, yeah. you know? Um, so I, I think with Allen, you know, I think people are still trying to figure out exactly, you know, it, it, is he the guy? Can he be the guy? Does he just need another Caleb DeBoer? Aiden Womack type guys, or, you know, was there a lot of, you know, Kalen DeBoer involved in kind of, you know, certainly highly involved in 2019, an eight-win season. Um, There are people around the program who will tell you without Kalen DeBoer, there's not eight wins that year. Um, Whether they're right or not, I don't know. It's their opinion. But, yeah, at some point in time, you have to figure out, you know, whether who you have as a coach is your guy or not. And I lean toward you're either behind your guy or if that's not your guy, make the decision. Don't meander around. I think too many college athletic programs make mistakes when they just sort of meander around. Well, we got a guy or we got a lady coaching women's basketball or this sport or that sport, basketball, football, what have you. And they just kind of like, mm, the, you know, the half in, half out. I, I think it's better to pull the plug and figure it out. And we've seen that happen a number of places around the country. And I do agree with you in general. If you get the right person, you can win. I wouldn't say regardless of any circumstance, but the right person can overcome some circumstance. Um, That's really difficult, one. And two, 
one of the reasons I think people wanted Tom Allen to win at Indiana was he actually probably would stay. He would stay. How many, you know, sometimes people say, well, gosh, if we bring so-and-so in and he wins a bunch, he's going to leave. When's the last time IU had a coach that left because he was winning too much? <laughs> never happened. I mean, it's, it's never it's, happened. It's, it's, it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> if you bring in somebody and they win and they leave, you know, I mean, programs like Cincinnati have been winning for a pretty good while now. They've had different guys come through. Um, but I think you, I think it, it is important to find the right guy. It really is. And, I mean, there, there's probably only going to be one Deion Sanders situation in college football. Um, but that that is, you know, just unbelievable. I mean, I was watching a Colorado highlight package the other day on, uh, I don't know, one of those West Coast channels. And, like, the commercials during the games, the university, not the athletic department, the university, has put together this whole marketing campaign. About being prime. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Prime research, prime location, prime faculty. You know, what are we talking about? University of Colorado. It's another example that shows you what the football program can do for the whole university. It gives you an identity. It gives you a brand. It gives you it gives you prestige. It can it can do all that. So the next question, Rabbi, is. I, I was just going to say for Colorado too, you know, you're trying to get whether it's prime to come there or all these students to come there, something that, you know, Indiana university, the state of Indiana, that's, that's their university. There's never been a better argument as to why they should legalize weed. I knew it. I knew it was not going to just stay. There's no way it could have stayed serious. No way. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So much uh, revenue. There's a lot of revenue being left on the table, boys. Rabbi, what is your take, though, on even if they think he's not the right guy, he has this crazy buyout. Will Indiana pull the plug with that crazy buyout, even if we only win three games this year? I mean, will they pull? Do they have it? It, it would be weird if they had the money for that. And willing to commit. And and look, we all know it's not a real $20 million. It's paid out over the life of the contract. It's mitigated if he gets a job. And he'll get a good defensive coordinator job somewhere if he were to let, be let go here. Uh, and maybe he'll get a head, could get a head coaching job at like a Mac school or something like that. I don't know. Um, but it would be weird if they would commit that money, commit to the idea that they might have to pay that much money when they cry poverty on so many other things for football. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and they, yeah, if they all of a sudden came up with, with 20 plus million dollars for a buyout, and we know that Michael McRobbie lifted at least 26.5 million of Big Ten Network money away from the athletic department a few years ago, it's like, okay, you start adding this up, and it's like, wait a minute. You know, there, there's a big pot of money there. You could have a much better assistant coaching pool. You could have, not not a down payment, but, but half the money for, for a football and training facility. You know, it's like you're going to plead poverty, but you have this other. They right. are doing well, the I, football only training facility now, right? Like they're building a wall basically in that place. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, I mean, okay. And that's a little hokey, but <laughs> if they would have built that in the beginning and said, this is our football only training complex, it just happens to be attached to the stadium would have been such a better idea. Yeah, but I never understood why Fred Glass said, "Well, we want all of our all of our programs, we want all of our athletes to train together." Bullshit! No, you don't. You have Cook Hall, right? What is it? It's a basketball only training facility. 
It was just an absolute, excuse my language, but it was just a bullshit thing that Fred said. You know, if, if you if you want to build a multi-purpose facility and attach it to your stadium, just say that's what you're doing. Don't right. say you have some philosophical desire for all athletes to train together. I mean, I'm with you there. That's just, that's ah, just, ah, ah, there's is the rat. rat there's is the, the rat, rat back. That motherfucker's back. God oh, damn it. God Ward damn. has a this rat a in his close, garage. He has closer a closer to me. Jesus Christ. He could have left on my face. God damn it. <laughs> wow. <sighs> Unbelievable. Jesus. Unbelievable. I wasn't too sure what was going on. I could, yeah. I could. He, he was right there. He was right there. And I was like, "What's going on?" In the it was in the intro. I warned Eric that that might happen. Yeah, I got, I got a, I got a roommate in here. He's not paying shit. Um, <laughs> He's anyway, go. look, here's, here's, here, how about this? If we're getting, if this is sort of the crux of it, can, what is going to cost Indiana University more? Or let's say, let's put it this way. Let's say we bring in our version of Prime. Okay, Eric has a nominee. I don't know if he wants to reveal that or not. But but we swing for the fences and we try to get something going next season and it works. Like I almost like that buyout seems so overwhelming, especially when we know what an effort it was just to buy out Archie with his mere 10 million for a program that people actually supported. But does Indiana actually lose money in the long run by not finding out how to come up with that buyout. Because if, if Eric said this program feels dead, I don't know if you could find anybody anywhere who disagrees with that. And, and if, if you know, Oh, Oh, we've got at least one more season of that coming. Like how much money are we leaving on the table compared to somebody who comes in next season and everybody can at least pretend like it's going to be different hope, and it's hope. going to be you better. can sell hope you can, you sell, can hope. sell hope yeah 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 that's the thing because and you can kind of do the calculation okay this, this is how much revenue you get if the stadium is 30 percent full versus 75 percent full um and, and people do buy tickets based on hope athletic departments have figured that out for years that's one reason that some poorly run athletic departments will still churn through coaches in, in certain sports because they'll get a year or two bump in ticket sales just on selling hope even if the new coach turns out to just absolutely suck, you you you've gotten a bump off of hope. You can sell hope and hope and the future. The future will be better. They're kind of tied together. Um, so you can look at ticket sales. You can look at revenue um, from uh, merchandising. You know, I think parking, latest, parking, everything, concessions. I think the latest numbers for Colorado Buffalo's uh, apparel. I think it was like after two games, and obviously they played more, but the last numbers I saw, I think, were after two games. And merchandise sold uh, was up like 800 and some odd percent. Yeah. They, they, they basically were saying the university is about to pay for the whole prime thing off of merchandise. Yeah, but, but uh, yes. And I believe that if you have a good football program, merchandise will go up. But I don't think you can use the Dion analogy Right. No, for no. any other situation right. at all. He he is a unicorn. I mean, Absolutely. he is a unicorn. So, like, I, I just don't even think you can say, like, oh, what if we got half that? I mean, he his numbers are so outside of the realm of real right now that right. it it tantalizes you. But there's no doubt that everything – look, we had two good years of football. Two good years of football. 
And that next year, we packed the stadium for that Cincinnati game. And we were traveling to January Bulls and buying tickets. Like, it was real. It was that hope was real. And we it it happens quick. And and we didn't have any. We had LEO to sell. We were selling (laughs) LEO. That's what we were selling. So it happens. It can happen quick. But it's not Dion-like. Very good point. Very good point. Yeah. But, but as far as the, 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 the difference in revenue lost, okay, let's say the buyouts, it's a little over $20 million, But just, let's just say $20 million. Use some round numbers. Ballpark. And, and if you turn around and, you know, you could lose <clears throat> even $5 million in revenue next year. Or if you spend the money on the buyout and your revenue goes up, Five million above what's projected, you know, you're selling hope, more people are buying tickets. Okay, the actual expenditure there is 10 million before the coach that you would have in this theoretical exercise gotten rid of has got another job. So right. just by that, you, you brought the actual number below 10 million. Um, and I actually think it would be lower than that because I think Tom Allen, if, if you did this, and I'm not advocating for this at all, we're just doing the theoretical, we're doing the math exercise here. You know, I just, he, he's going to get another job. He's going to get another pretty good job. Um, he's young enough. He's just not going to kick back and do nothing. Um, I don't know what he would do with himself with all of his energy if he didn't have football. Um, really, I mean, that, that, you know, I've known him for a long time. I've known him since he was defensive coordinator at Ben Davis High School. You know, he's, he's fully, fully invested in Indiana and football at IU and football in the state of Indiana. That man wants football in the state of Indiana to do well. Um, but as a program, you have to you have to do the math at some point in time. And I understand on paper it's twenty one million or whatever it is. But what's the real number? And I think if you're a university, you you, you gotta do the math and figure it out. And I think it would be less than ten. And if you bring in somebody who does generate real enthusiasm, who people go, Yeah, we in mind this guy, somebody who you could believe in, um, then you might see, you know, change pretty quickly. And like you said, Eric. That Cincinnati game was that's what it should that's what it can look like when right. people believe. People have genuine hope. They're not going there just to tailgate, you know, hang with their friends. It's it's not like a place to be um the place, like hang out in the parking lot. It's not just going to the place. That Cincinnati game, it was about football. It was you about know. football. And it was there was excitement for football. Yeah, the tailgate tailgating was great. Tailgate at IU is always great, you know. Um but people weren't going just to tailgate. Just no, tailgate. no, it was, it was, it was, it was electric. It was electric. It was, Rabbi, it was... um, one of the reasons that Archie got let go is because Scott Dolson saw what the program was and looked into the future and didn't see a lot of, to use the word again, hope. Mm-hmm. The recruiting was not good. We, we had missed on way too many guys. We missed on the big 2021 class where schools like Purdue were starting to really own the state a little bit more than, than ever before. And that made Scott realize there's no point in waiting another year. I don't follow football recruiting nearly as closely as I do basketball recruiting because it's just too hard. There's so many people. Is there any hope on the recruiting side for football? I mean, it felt like we had recruiting momentum two years ago, but every time I see a guy we're recruiting now, it seems like we're back to recruiting against the directional schools and the Mac schools and not winning recruitments against, you know, the Minnesotas and Wisconsin's and, and Mizzou's and things like that. Yeah, it's been a mixed bag with recruiting. There were a couple of years where they did beat some people down south, some pretty good programs. 
And a lot of that's Tom Allen's connections down there. There are people down there who genuinely trust him, believe in him, and, and see him as somebody who, okay, the whole idea of what a lot of high school coaches look at, college coaches, and go, would I send my son to play for that guy? There's a lot of folks down south, when they look at Tom Allen, the answer is yes. They would send their son to go play for that guy. They just trust. There's a lot of trust um, at a level beyond football. So they have had some wins. Um, and they, they did they did pretty they did okay in the portal. You know, they've they they've gotten some solid guys in the portal. They need they need them they need them all to be healthy at the same time. But, you know, is it is it is recruiting at a level where you say, okay, there's no question the current structure is bringing in elite talent so we can live with a worst one loss record because the talent says suggests we should be much better next year or the year after no it's not at that level it's it's not the tour you would sell that as what you would hang your hat on if you. that's what it. worries me it's just bodies it's bodies yeah okay well that was depressing <laughs> and uh and it's just where we are right now but let's turn the page and go to something that is much more exciting right now and optimistic which is basketball recruiting here we go so, Rabbi, let's start with the biggest story. One of the biggest recruiting stories in the country right now is the Liam McNeely recruitment. Uh, took some different turns throughout his recruitment. Obviously, Texas was in great shape. Chris Beard did what he did and <laughs> removed himself from consideration, which hurt Texas overall, although Texas remained in it. Some other schools, I think, poked around, but it was a little too late. Kansas came in in the spring, got involved. Indiana's been a leader throughout, uh, or on the top line, I should say. Then Texas gets dropped, and it's a mano-a-mano again, Kansas versus Indiana. Official visits have happened to both. And most recently, at the end of last week, Bill Self makes another visit down to Mount Verde last week, followed by a Kenya Hunter and Mike Woodson visit down to Mount Verde. What is the latest on the Liam McNeely recruitment as we sit here on Sunday night? Yeah, you laid it out there pretty well as far as what got us to this point. And I still think at this point in time, I still think Indiana's should feel good about where it sits. It's not a prediction of where he's going to go. He has not made a decision. Um, I don't believe um, if he had made a decision, I don't think both schools are still going to see him with regularity, and they have. Both have sent head coaches. Both have sent assistant coaches. Both have been down there multiple times. Um, and, again, we're recording this, you know, Sunday evening. Um, yeah, it could change by Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't think it's going to, but, but it's always possible. You know, once somebody really has their true final list, whether it be two, three, four, whatever, not these big lists of, you know, to get attention on social media and build your brand and all that stuff. I mean, the actual list, who you're actually – willing to go play for once you get to this point you know you kind of like okay it could happen at any point in time um but i think i think indiana should feel good um kansas uh again at least as of sunday was continuing to go hard um you know when, when self was down there they straight up made the pitch to liam about what they think and why they they, they made their pitch to try to essentially, I don't know if you want to say flip him because he hadn't made a decision, but I think Kansas felt like they had to come up with a way to beat Indiana. That's what I was told Kansas felt. Okay, it's, we, we have to go down there and we got to sell us and we got to beat somebody else. Um, 
So that's that that's where that sits as of right now. But I think Indiana does have a real chance, a real chance. And I know it's 50-50 on paper, but I mean, I do think they have a real chance to win this one. But but they have to win it. It's not over. Just because you lead doesn't mean you win. So you do not buy all the people saying it's locked up, it's done, it's this, it's that. You're not buying that quite yet. Not just yet. No. No. I think I think some people are getting just a little ahead of themselves and that's okay it happens you know people get excited and and like and some people even some people in my profession they like to like oh i predicted it first or exactly you know, okay, that's what it that's is cool. there's, there's nothing wrong with that it's you know it's if, if you want to be i'm not a big i'm not big into all the crystal balls and everything but some people are and that's great that's fine if, that, if that's what you want to do it's a hundred percent fine there's nothing wrong with making predictions um take you know, us take us into the psychology of all this because you have a 17 18 year old kid trying to go to school and play basketball now and he's got these guys who qualify for senior citizen discounts with <laughs> millions of dollars in their bank account just showing up at his school saying i want to talk to you again i know you just came to visit me but i want to talk to you again like both but and and you can get as specific as you want or 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 maybe it's more general but I guess I'm most curious about the IU staff psychology of the of the trinity here between self and his staff, IU, and and Liam and his camp. Um, okay, Bill Self is going down there. You have to imagine part of that flip is negative recruiting against us. So as far as you know, whether it's specifically in this case or in general, is then the IU psychology, we need to be the last voice in his head. We need to offset whatever negative things were said about us. So when he goes to sleep tonight, as opposed to last night when he was thinking about what Bill Self said, now we think as he's going to sleep tonight, he's going to be thinking about what we said. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it is a little bit at this stage, you're like if you're sitting in the IU coaching chair, one of the things you are trying to figure out, and this is why Intel behind the scenes is just beyond fascinating. You're trying to figure out, okay, what what are we what are we what are we fighting? What do we have to combat? Um, like you said, some people call it negative recruiting. A lot of coaches are like, it's just recruiting. To get a kid, a lot of coaches will tell you this behind the scenes, off the record. To get a kid come play for me, there's two or three schools out there I'm gonna have to kill at the end. I gotta crush them. They, they actually call it a kill shot. Like there are some schools, one of the strategies is you don't use your, your negative recruiting, if you will, your kill shots early. You wait to figure out who's your real competition. Because if a kid's got 20 offers and you're going to be one of the schools he really considers, you don't have to kill 19 other schools. There's a bunch of them just going to fade away. Okay. And then at the end, you got to figure out, okay, who do I have to just absolutely crush? So part of when you're in this situation, like if you're, if you're IU, you're trying to figure out, okay, what, what is Kansas saying? What, what are we what are we fighting against what kind of shots are being taken at us and how what's our plan for for combating that so that is certainly part of it um being last person in a coach's ear and again or last coach in a kid's ear i don't know if it's so much as being the last person or being or as as much i mean that that's the ideal you, you know any, any negotiation or anytime you're trying to make a pitch you get the last pitch you know it's it's good um but it's, it's a little more about just making yourself the most impactful voice in his head. Does he believe you? Does he trust you? Does he trust you the most? Because probably there's going to be 
on the level of Liam McNeely, there's going to be multiple coaches who he probably looks at and go, yeah, I could play for that guy. And and that's reasonable. Same thing with some of the others, um, you know, that, that I use in on here in 2024. But I think with coaches, you really want to be the most, the most trusted if you can get to that, you know, and maybe even the most liked, you know, sometimes who you like the most splits hairs. I think people would be surprised if they actually knew like how close some recruitments were and sometimes little things split hairs, really, really small stuff, but more and more high end guys and and Indiana is recruiting, you know, top end guys now. Okay. A lot of, you know, guys in the top 30, top 20, um, some even the top 10, um, there, there's there's a business decision component to this. This is about their basketball future. This is not just, oh, where do I want to go play college? Where do I want, you know? No, it's a little more sophisticated than that. It, it's it's about the business side of it. How will I be used? How will I de- develop? What is their actual plan for me? Do they have a track record of getting people into the NBA? Uh, things like that. There, there are business decisions components to it. So sometimes the college coaching staff, when you get down to the bottom, to, to, the, to the end, like where things are, you know, decision-making mode with Liam McNeely, sometimes you have to really hammer the business decision points, especially if they are in your favor, especially if you have, you know, Indiana, they don't have to tell people that Mike Woodson knows the NBA. They can show. There's a difference, you know. Some things you're telling the kid, come here, we will win. Don Crean with, with Cody Zeller, Yogi Ferrell, all those guys. It, it, was, it was a tell, come here and we will. We, we will win. But with, with Mike Woodson, you can show them, hey, I was in the NBA. Here's my here's, here are the teams I coached. Here are the teams I played for. We got Calvert Chaney, X number of years in the NBA. I'll, I'll go up and down the list. So there, there's a lot of components to what happens down the stretch. Do you think that Bill Self and Mike Woodson have made their last visits to Mount Verde? Uh, I'm going to guess. Um, which way am I going to guess here? Uh, that was a well-phrased question. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to guess, no, they haven't made their last visits. That's going to be my guess. Okay. That's going to be my guess. <laughs> Do you, you had put on the boards in your articles that not predicting, but pointing towards an ESPN broadcast of a Mount Verde game as they're playing out in Vegas coming up in the middle of this month. <clears throat> it sure does seem to line up with a lot of what Liam said. Although technically if they're playing, then he has not announced before the season started. I see, unless this is counting well, as preseason. This they they play as the Florida Rebels. Got so, it. So, okay. Some, school, some schools don't let you play in October as your school, so it's just different. But okay, but he is playing with Derek Queen and and Cooper Flag. It's a Montverde roster. Okay, so. It does line up with the timing he talked about. It's ESPN. It's nationally televised. It's before the season starts. If you were going to announce, boy, it sure does seem like that would be a good time. Do you think this thing plays out beyond that? I would be surprised. I would be surprised if it goes past that. Yeah. God. Yeah, I just like, I just, I know what's going to happen on the boards for the next couple of weeks. It is just going to build to a fever pitch. It is. Rabbi, I made the comment, I think, when we did our Reasonable Rabbi and Tactful Trevor, and I made it again on the boards. I do believe this is the most important recruitment in the Mike Woodson era. Uh, I think it's more important than Jalen hood Shafino. I think it's more important than Malik Renew, more important than Mackenzie Mbako for many reasons. Uh, where do you stand on on that? It's most certainly up there. 
And and one of the reasons it doesn't mean Liam's going to be a better player than the guys you mentioned, no. but it means you've gotten yourself to a point to where okay, this one recruitment, it's either going to do something significant for your for your program as far as move you up, or if you miss, you might drop, or it's all, or it's going to do something significant for the fan base. You know, and I think if if they win the Liam McNeely recruitment, I think there's going to be a whole lot of people who really really believe in buy-in no they're not just well okay you know we like it okay it's cool okay you know coach woodson obviously former night player that's great i think this is one of those recruitments where people will go okay it's happening you know you go from hope or feeling that's kind of happening kind of getting some momentum kind of back-to-back ncaa tournaments still got advanced but hey we're getting there then all of a sudden you you i think people would take that whole next step psychologically i think it, i think it's really big there and if you get liam you know, certainly it could have some uh, of the three big dominoes and I'll let you guys take the conversation where you want to go. Uh, I, I think Liam's highly likely to be the first one to, to commit. Um, but I'm, I'm, but I will say this, I'll, I'll add this, I'm not a hundred percent sure he's going to be the first one to make a decision of the, of the big three. I'm not a hundred percent sure he's going to be the first one to make a decision. Who would be in that conversation for possibly beating him to the punch? Uh, there was there was a concert at Assembly Hall a couple of days ago. Um, the whole the basketball team was there. All the basketball players were there. The the place was sold out. Um, gosh, I'm I sure think, you guys. Heard. I think that the artist was Boogie with the hoodie. A what? A boogie in a hoodie. Boogie, that's right. Boogie, boogie. Um, yeah. By the way, for the people who are only listening and aren't looking at us smiling right now we, we were just having fun i think we all know who boogie fland is i, I five-star point guard who obviously everybody knows i think can really freaking play you well know, i don't know let, if anybody's been beating the drum any louder or longer than that's, i have that's all you rabbi that's all you buddy <laughs> um but and then that's just being fortunate you know some of my east coast guys you know are really 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 plugged in and they said you gotta you gotta see this guy and i remember we saw him uh when was it after sophomore year i think out uh at the um one of the one of the las vegas events you know one of the reasons you travel as much as you do try to you're always watching you're always looking and a very very smart person from the new york area said you know hey indiana's looking for a point guard in the next couple classes they need to look at bogey flan okay so went out to vegas watched him went yep they should look at him but i think there's and again this is not a prediction i'm just saying i think there was some chance maybe that boogie potentially could decide before liam did i don't think it's likely but i'm just saying i think it, it, it's at least possible because um boogie's down to three schools which i think i think everybody knows indiana done, kentucky, alabama in sorry yeah indiana kentucky alabama and he's he's done visiting right no more visits yeah yeah his camp decided instead of doubling up on anyone they that because the visits are all fairly recent you know the iu one was just this summer um, they were like, they just don't feel like they need to go do another round of visits, um, which initially they were. Um, there was a there was a time when um, he had time frames laid out where he was going to go, you know, to IU and, and then maybe to to one other school. But they just changed their mind and said, don't think we need it. So. No, but, but it has not stopped the visits from happening to him, <laughs> of which <laughs> Indiana had one. Um, recently, Mike Woodson and I believe, I believe Yasir was there when Coach spoke at that 
at his school's thing, right? And then he visited. Yeah. And yeah. then Yasir was there just this end of last week on his own. Do you believe that we are done visiting with Boogie Flan? I'm going to guess no. Mm. I'm going to guess no. Because that's um, one of those, if you know, if you know the visit, if you know the campus visits are over, then you can kind of like figure out, okay, we, we as coaches need to go there. You can kind of set your schedule. And you can kind of put it a pretty much, you know, pretty much lock it in because you're not sitting there going, well, maybe we can get him on campus in October. Maybe we can get him the first week. No, if he says, if prospect says no more campus visits, okay, then you set your schedule. So I'm going to guess Indiana is not done going to see Boogie Flan. I like it. Okay. And then let's move to the last domino, Derek Queen, which I have been saying all along that your chances to get Derek Queen rise precipitously if you get Liam McNeely and drop precipitously if you do not. You have not agreed with that on some level. You you think maybe I'm overstating it, which I am wont to do. Um, <laughs> it's kind of our thing. <laughs> but but Derek Queen's got two visits scheduled. He's got next weekend, I believe, is when he's visiting Houston, if I'm not mistaken. And then on the, the 20th to the 22nd, visiting Maryland, hometown school, where are things at with Derek Queen? And he does go to school at Mount Verde. So if we're not done visiting Liam McNeely, I assume we're not done visiting Derek Queen. You are correct there. You are correct. Yes. Liam McNeely, Derek Queen, Mount Verde teammates, and very, very good friends. Talk to each of them about the other. And um, I don't want to bore people and go through the whole story, but I think, I think uh, I'll, I'll, some coaches, I think, were even caught a little off guard with how close these guys are, you know, that they, they, they've known each other since before they even got to high school. So it's not like they're just prep school teammates. Not that that's something that in itself wouldn't matter anyway, but yeah, um, no, and, and you're right. If you get Liam, it, it's certainly, you know, what it would help with Derek queen. There's no doubt. There, there's no doubt it would. Um, I just don't know the, the other time when we talked, I think you had stated it a little more like definity, like get Liam, get Derek, don't get Liam, don't get Derek. I don't know if it's just, that transaction that doesn't sound like me what what i do wonder there has been this obsession with liam and i no doubt in part it's because you know now it's it's just down to two and and self and woody are making these trips but derek is is on paper you know it's negligible the difference in their rankings their potential impact at the collegiate level uh neither are necessarily predicted to be one and dones though as we see that can change if that first year is really good um is the indiana fan base sleeping a little bit on how big a deal it is um derek unto himself because it always seems like he comes in after the liam conversation yeah, I, I mean, I think Derek Green is just fantastic. And I think he's going to be a fantastic college basketball player. Um, he's a he's a bigger body dude. Um, he is unbelievably skilled inside. He's got soft touch around the basket. Uh, he is an incredible passer. Talk he, slower. He, <laughs> he is without question one of the best passing big men who have come along in probably 8, 10, 12 years, something like that. He can make passes off the bounce. He makes passes that guards make. And you look at him and you go, okay, how exactly does that happen? Because there's sometimes you bring, he'll be bringing the ball up the court 
and you're like, okay, he, he really should that that big dude, that big old six foot nine dude, he really ought to get the ball to a guard, or it's going to be a turnover. And then he'll snap some crazy pass to somebody cutting from the baseline, and you're just like, wait a minute, what? I didn't see the guy there. Well, how, how did this guy see it? So I think he's very skilled. Um, he's a very good rebounder. Um, he's a, he's a solid defender positionally. You know, he's still working to get himself into shape, and he still has some ways ways to go on that, and he knows it. Um, but but he does have good timing. Um, you know, he's never going to be a big time like pogo stick off the floor like a Trace Jackson Davis. But there's there's a lot there's a lot to like, and, and offensively, you know, he's one of those things guys who like as a center, you know, I think can be quite good in college. I, I think he's he's going to be able to get you points. He's going to be able to get you rebounds. And he's going to get you assists that most centers just don't do. There's going to be things you can do. If you have Derek Queen on your team, there are going to be things you can do offensively where you are getting the ball to him to then get it to somebody else. You're going to play through him at times. And there are, there are very few college centers you truly play through. Most of the time when you throw them the ball, it's go get his points. I, I that you You may have sort of clarified it a little bit for me as to why we're more obsessed with Liam um, even just, you know, as players, it's because we just had one of the greatest all-time big men come through Indiana University and statistically just a complete freak show with what Trace Jackson Davis did. And I know they're different players, but some of that stuff could overlap you just described. But with Liam, as we've talked about before, his his size, his skill set, his position, it's just like we have not had somebody like that for quite some time. And I wonder if that's that's part of it that we're just like, oh, well, we don't even know what we would do with the six, seven guy who can do the kind of stuff that's being described to us or put together in little highlight packages. Yeah, I think that's very fair, you know, um, and, and sort of sometimes what you want the most is what you don't have or that you hadn't had for a while. And um, when it comes to basketball, obviously, you know, Indiana really hasn't had that stud three-point shooter for, 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 a, for a little while, at least not one of that size. So I think there's some anticipation of, you know, getting what you haven't had for a little while and, and the anticipation of the impact of that. You know, you, you're not out there wanting something random. You know, you're wanting a guy who's six foot seven who really knows how to play. And oh, by the way, led the NIBC prep school circuit in three-point shooting as a junior. You know, so there's, you know, there, there's a very, very clear skill and an achievement already to point to and say, you know, if somebody asked, what do you like most about Liam McNeely, his ability to go get you threes, not once, but multiple times per game. Yeah. yeah I, and look, I think there's multiple reasons why the Liam McNeely recruitment is more focused on. But I think the biggest one is because we've been on him the longest. We've been on Derek long as well, but the Liam recruitment has gotten the most attention also because of what happened with Texas. It's had more bumps and curves to it than the Derek one, which has been an Indiana Maryland battle with Houston kind of there pretty consistently for a while. The, the Liam one was Texas in front. Then Chris Beard gets his stuff. Then Indiana could take the lead. Then Kansas comes in. Like there's just been more, to it that's been really interesting and in the news so i think that that adds to the intrigue and again back to why i think it's the most important recruitment it is the unless well no because boogie is not a long-term recruitment boogie has no. not been a long-term recruitment for this staff it hasn't not in comparison 
No, Liam is the first long-term recruitment that we have a real chance at winning. And so I think that that is another reason why it's huge, because we've shown we can do well in the short recruitments. We also have to win some of these going forward, especially when you start looking to 25. Now, Rabbi, we have a lot more we could talk to you about. We want to talk to you about 2025, and we want to do another podcast with you where we do our yearly kind of preview of the season about to happen, because, Rabbi, we're just weeks away from real basketball, (laughs) but you, you come to us with just a fountain of information. We love it so much. We love you giving us the time you give us. Wait, I know you're wrapping it up for me because I have to go, but but we have to ask how big of an impact, how great of a decision is it to bring Gucci Mane into Hoosier hysteria? Like, come on, Rabbi, you know this. Yes. Tell us, tell us how big this oh, is. Oh man, I am, I am 100% behind the decision. Uh, <laughs> 100% behind it when I heard it was a possibility. Uh, I was very enthusiastic in my support um, <laughs> when people asked uh, what I thought. Um, there's a few people who probably are glad the decision's made, so I shut the hell up. But bothered about <laughs> Gucci Mane. Um, is it fair to say you will be live tweeting the Gucci Mane performance at the end of Hoosier Hysteria? I don't know, but I'm gonna be having a good time. I promise you that. I mean, I, you know, once 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 the concert starts, man, I'm, I'm the laptop's gonna get powered down. You know, I'll uh, tr- I'll make Trevor write something immediately. I'll make Talia. You know, I got people now. My people are gonna do some work. And uh, so, is it is is it say fair to say that um, you're looking at this objectively as somebody covering Indiana basketball, this is a good tactical pragmatic move to be cool to the kids. But were you a Gucci main fan before this ever happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so I'm two parts. I mean, I can give you my professional opinion. Yes. It, it is a, it is a very, very good move for Indiana to start bringing in, you know, rappers and make Hoosier hysteria, give it a lot more of a cool vibe. It's a good business decision. And yeah, personally, Mike, this is freaking phenomenal. I mean, this is just, this is outstanding. I mean, like some of my friends are like, you realize you're going to be at work, like on the clock and sitting there watching Gucci. And I was like, yeah, pretty cool. Sorry, you got a sucky job, but I don't. <laughs> Ward, Ward, what's your favorite Gucci main track? Oh, I like it. Give me those Louis Vuittons. I love that song. Yeah, sure. Like, that's a good um, one. Which album is that on? It's on Rolling in My Bugatti again. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is somewhat stereotypical and weird territory we're entering. <laughs> well, I I just was like, well, he likes Gucci, he likes other high end stuff, and then my son really likes that. I woke up in my Bugatti song, so this is what I'm drawing on here. These these are my references. All right. Well, good enough, Rabbi. You are the man. Thank you for all the information. You're going to be back on the pod soon enough to do a preview for the 23-24 IU Hoosiers. Thank you for doing this so late. It is 1030 on Sunday night. Rabbi, thank you. You are the man. We love you. You're on mute. You've <laughs> muted yourself. You've totally did, muted yourself. You did yourself. so well. There we go. And by yeah. the way, for the people who are now watching the video, um, yeah, I was I was been out in the yard for the better part of two and a half days. Believe it or not, I actually do shave on occasion, but hey, didn't have time. What? Well, look, we're we're anti-shaving on this podcast, Rabbi. Yeah, you can see yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. We, we all got, yeah. We're styling. Scruff. Scruff. Yeah, that's what it is. Appreciate you guys. That was a guest. That was a guest. You got to love, Rabbi. I didn't want to interrupt the flow. Ward, yes. Jeff Haynes did call us while we were 
Oh, we missed. So we got to call him back real quick. All right. Let's just try it one time. I know you got to go. Your call has been. I mean, oh, Jeff. Jeff. Killing us. Killing us. Jeff is just killing us. Are you going to cut this out, right? No, I think it's part of it. And the first part? Oh, yeah. It's all in. Oh, Jeff. you're. I hope I get hold of Jeff before this airs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let me know if you don't, and then I'll cut it. Look, man, these next few weeks are going to be just a roller coaster ride of emotions for Indiana University fans because there's a lot of dominoes. Well, there's three dominoes to fall. Yeah. It could all fall potentially. They could all fall this month. It seems like two of them will fall this month. Oh, we're getting a phone call from Jeff oh, Haynes. Here we go. Live to tape. Hello. Hey, Eric. Oh, hey. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Good. Thanks for giving me a call back. I wanted to uh, confirm your contact info. Yep. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Yes. Yes. What do you think about sitting courtside for the Kansas game? You want to do that? Uh, That would be amazing. You won the tickets, my friend. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. By the way, also, Jeff, you're on our podcast right now because I'm recording with Ward and we called you on the podcast at the beginning. You didn't answer. So we interviewed DJ Jazzy, Jeff Rabjohns for the last hour and a half. And now we've called you back and you called us back and here you are. So you may want to give a little bit more emotion to the awesome because it's going to be heard by at least a dozen people. <laughs> All right. So let's try it again. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Hey, uh, is this Jeff? It is. Jeff, how would you like to sit courtside for the IUKU game? Because you won the raffle. Made <laughs> <laughs> my night. Uh, very cool, Jeff. It, it you are going to have the best time. Do you know who you're going to take? Uh, that is a great question. Probably one of my two children. Oh, I figure out which one. Ooh. Your favorite. Take your favorite. Yeah, take your favorite child for sure. Yeah, I know. We'll. Uh... Might have to have our own little drawing for that. Uh, there you go. All right, Jeff, I will uh, text you. We're going to finish the podcast, and I will get you the tickets. But congratulations. Thanks for entering. As you know, all the money goes to IU Basketball NIL. Congratulations, Jeff. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate Thanks, man. Be good. We'll, we'll talk soon. I mean, he's happy. He's not ecstatic. I mean, Jeff sounds like he's probably got a pretty good life and things just always break his way. And so he was just like, <laughs> you know, he was just awesome. Yep. That that's yeah, that's my I, Sunday. Yeah, that that's why I entered. <laughs> I didn't enter to lose, right? Awesome. We didn't ask Rabbi to do it either. Oh, damn it. Who you want? Follow this us week? on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E. No I. But the sometimes why. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.